1: I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. It's February, and that means it's time for the Super Bowl. No, Valentine's Day. Is there anything other than Super Bowl that matters in life? Uh, anyway, I know lots of people choose to ignore Valentine's Day because of the jacked up prices on flowers, gifts, chocolates, etc. In fact, overall, many of us are actually choosing to spend less on dates. I'll give you the lowdown. And the results of a poll we took of our audience at Clark.com. And later, well, eggs are really expensive right now, so I hate that I have egg on my face a bit about what I said recently with advice about electric vehicles. We're going to talk about that. So... People in the dating scene are becoming generally more frugal about what they want to spend on dates. It is a real trend that predates the economic cycle we've been in with inflation and the rest. But polling shows pretty clearly that people are being more careful with spending. Now, forever ago, I started a tradition with my wife, Lane, that I get her roses two weeks before Valentine's Day. So she's already gotten her roses. The reason I do that is the roses are not surcharged yet. And so I get them for her well in advance, which shows I'm doing pre-planning, right? And she got the roses. It was funny. I got her 24 of them at Costco. And I was starting to pick a bunch. And a lady there said, no, 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 don't buy that bunch. Buy this one. And if somebody who thinks they know what they're saying about flowers tells me, then that's what I do. But if you are somebody who's Mr. Last Minute, and you're looking at buying roses, know that there are a number of outlets that sell them very affordably on Valentine's Day. First, you got the supermarkets. Trader Joe's started this forever ago. And now everybody is imitating Trader Joe's in the grocery business offering extremely affordable roses on valentine's day and so you just got to go out earlier in the day because you wait till later in the day they're kind of picked over and then nurseries not the ones for kids but the ones with plants and stuff like that this is off season for them and a lot of the nurseries do a big business selling cut roses for valentine's day and they're really beautiful beautiful roses as for florists, I mean that's an expensive way to do it. And so we're talking here about being cheap. So I'm not dissing you if you are a hardworking florist. I'm just trying to give people the lower cost ways to do so. Mentioning Costco again, their roses go from two dozen and a bunch for depending on location, eighteen ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine, to nineteen ninety nine for one dozen typically depending on where you are in the country, once you hit the Valentine's Day cycle. So you see why doing what I do gets me more than twice the value for my dollar. And the right time to buy Valentine's chocolates is the day after Valentine's Day. (laughs) Not kidding on that. Um, The other thing is take your sweetheart to dinner the day before Valentine's Day or the day after. Because eating on Valentine's Day, the restaurants are stressed and stretched. They're having to bring in many times inexperienced people to help with overflow crowd. They may have one of those special menus with higher prices. And so if you do things where you show pre-planning, you're going to have a much more personal, warm experience in a restaurant. It's going to be a better experience. So those are some of my suggestions. And Krista... I know I've probably blown the romance card. Anything?
0: No, not at all. But I think it's interesting, the trend um, to spend less on dates overall and that poll we did on Talk. Yeah,
1: so our poll was specifically related to first date. And it's really funny how different people's answers are. Like Patrick in New Jersey said, you should spend 80 bucks on a first date. And then Chris in Georgia said, 20 bucks. And then we have Bill in North Carolina who said 45. Timothy in North Carolina said a cup of coffee (laughs) is all you should spend. I don't know, Timothy, that first states are going to be thrilled that that's all they get is the first cup of coffee. Mona in Florida says $50 or more. Then we've got Roni Sue in Tennessee who says 20 bucks. Someone else said just go Dutch. That's what you do these days. So we didn't have a lot of people say that. Mm -hmm. I've been looking down the list, but we've got Joseph in Arizona, 25 bucks. Uh, We have Clarence and Georgia who says 100. Mm. Clarence. Wow. You're our first $100 person, I guess. Oh, and then we have Ken also from Alaska, 100 bucks. But everything costs more in Alaska. Yeah. 100 bucks in Alaska is $50 anywhere else. And it got a 65, 75, 20.
0: Diane in Ohio says zero that you should take 68. a walk in a public park and get to know each other, which I love that idea. Or I think coffee is reasonable. If you're t- it depends on what you're talking about. But people are spending less lavishly. Like I think if I were in the dating world, I would be kind of turned off by someone who spent too much on it for, or wanted to do something super fancy because you were like, are they good with money? You know, how do they, like you would be horrified?
1: Well, I was talking with a guy who's been single for a while and he said he's learned not about money, but because of, you don't know if it's going to be awkward or not. If it's going to be somebody who you're both like, is this done yet? Is this done yet? That coffee is the smartest thing to do because you'll know fairly quickly. Is this somebody who you're going to have any chemistry with at all? So dating advice, (laughs) From the Clark Howard podcast, from two people who haven't been in the market dating <laughs> for for me twenty almost twenty eight years and for you twenty five years almost yeah so uh, we're we're lame to be giving this advice no no but the consensus if you average everybody together other than the person who said you should spend a dime on the first date a dime really is somewhere forty to fifty dollars seems to be about where the, if you take the bell curve, that seemed to be about where it was.
0: Okay, we've got some questions here. BJ in Delaware says, hi, Clark, love your show. I know you don't like big banks, and neither do I. However, I think it is good to bank with a big bank if they are giving you a new bank account bonus. Banks such as PNC, Chase, etc. sometimes offer new customers bonuses for opening a new account and meeting the qualifications. What do you say about this?
1: So... You know, you're going to see these bonuses depending on your potential profile as the bank analyzes you of $500 to $1,000 to open an account. You have to leave it open um, minimum six months, sometimes a year. And if you're doing this where you're bouncing big bank offer to big bank offer, then all you're doing is making money and they're doing it based on once they get you in their system that you're in their spider web and you're going to stay it all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. See, for me, the thing with the big banks, they um, disrespect you with what they pay on savings. They, uh, when you have a problem, you're dealing with an unfeeling, uncaring, massive bureaucracy, and then they fee you to death on various accounts you have. Other than that, I love them. So for me, it's more the very mentality and culture at a big bank. But if you're somebody who can play that hopscotch game, pick up your 500 here, your thousand there, and then after the six months or a year you move on, go for it.
0: Shirley in North Carolina says whenever I travel, I worry about power outages causing surge damage to my computers and household appliances. so I go around unplugging things before leaving the house. My energy company offers a full house surge protection program for a cost of about a $10 dollars per month, so 120 a year. What does Clark think of this type of protection? And is the monthly cost a good deal? It's very important to me as I know it is to Clark. I was unable to find an answer to this on Clark.com. Thank you so much for the super wonderful service you provide.
1: Thank you very much. And what I don't know from your power provider, are they providing you insurance for $10 a month? Or are they coming in your home and renting you a whole home surge protector? A whole home surge protector is a great idea I like instead of you renting it, that you have an electrician come in and install one in your home because it will eliminate the risk that you would face from a surge coming into your home very heavily. You can't eliminate every possibility, but these do work very well, and it would be over the years, it would be cheaper to own your own whole house surge protection unit than it would be to pay your utility the $10 a month.
0: And it's an extra little bonus if you're selling your house that you have that. We That's did
1: exactly that. right, because you're providing an asset, not an ongoing liability with an ongoing bill.
0: Aaron in Minnesota says, recently I was showing my son one of the new AI chatbots. I said he could type in anything he wanted, and remarkably, he chose to ask it to have a conversation between the leader of the Transformers, Optimus Prime, and you, Clark Howard. Here's a sample of it. Optimus Prime, greetings, Clark Howard. It is an honor to speak with you. Clark, the honor is mine, Optimus Prime. I have been a fan of Autobots for as long as I can remember. Optimus Prime, your support is much appreciated. The fight against deceptions is a constant battle. Decepticons. Decepticons, oops. And every ally we have makes a difference. Clark, I couldn't agree more. As a financial expert, I know how important it is to have a strong support system. What can I do to help the Autobots in their fight? Now, the poster Aaron says... My question is, how long do you think before AI takes over for the great and wise Clark Howard? And P.S., they'll never replace you.
1: You know what? If they can automate what I do and give superior answers and advice to what I do, go for it. These things are freaky, though. They really are. are. They are. Kids are using them to cheat in school. And so, as always happens in academics... Teachers, instructors, and professors will adjust. They will change how they instruct. Cheating has been a problem in the education system forever, and teachers are able to be versatile, and they will defeat the bot. They will defeat it so that your kids can learn. And by the way, we do have a lot of students who listen to our podcast Let me lay this out for you. There is no advantage in life, and only disadvantage, when you cheat on a paper, a test, or a quiz. It is not going to help you. It may not hurt you in the short term, but it is not going to benefit you. And if you get caught, that will hurt you. So speaking of something a chatbot would not have been able to do, it wouldn't have been able to talk about electric vehicles in December one way and talk about them a different way in February. And I'm going to tell you why I'm changing my tune and I'm dancing to a different beat now than I was just two months ago. I'll share that with you straight ahead.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check.
1: So to a number of questions I've had recently, plus I talked about it as a topic on the podcast, I've said 23 is, at least the first half of 23, is definitely not going to be the time to buy an electric vehicle. They're overpriced. They're going to get a lot cheaper as inventories rebuild and as more and more models come in the system, maybe the back half of 23, but really more 24. So then Elon Musk turns around and at least partially makes me a liar. Tesla's sales had softened and worldwide Tesla cut prices from a moderate amount to a very large amount of money. And now a number of Tesla models are selling below the average selling price of a used vehicle in the United States. Ford, which has been the furthest forward and being an aggressive competitor to Tesla and electric vehicles in the United States responded almost immediately and cut the price of the Mustang Mach-E down to a starting of 45,000, which also is lower than the average vehicle price in the United States. But even with these price cuts, we are early in the electric vehicle game. And unless you're at a natural buying cycle for a vehicle right now, I absolutely still hold to what I said last year and reiterated again in a question in early January from a listener of the podcast that it makes sense to let the clock run some because things are moving quicker in the direction I expect them to go. But we are so close, and and you can measure it in months if you consider sometime in 24 being months away, or you can say a year away. We are so close to the market being flooded with new models of electric vehicles, the manufacturing cost of the innards, the guts of going into an electric vehicle, continue their trend line down, and we're looking not far away from the actual cost of manufacture of an electric vehicle being cheaper than the manufacture of a gas engine vehicle. Because we know the life cycle of ownership of electric versus gas, that electric is much cheaper over a full life cycle of ownership to have, including the cost to purchase, operating, maintenance, fuel, repair, all that, than having a gas engine vehicle. But the advantage is going to be, apparent even from the upfront purchase, but not yet, even with these price cuts from Tesla. Now, there are Tesla buyers who bought even up to the day before the Tesla price cuts that are steaming mad. And the value of used Teslas has collapsed after these price cuts. So that's something we don't talk about a lot, Krista, is the opportunity that exists with buying a used electric vehicle, many of which have, uh, from other manufacturers other than Tesla, have very small battery packs that can be a very affordable choice for urban-suburban commuting. And now that the used vehicle prices in the United States of all used vehicles have come way down from their pandemic peaks, still falling, but the big drops have already occurred, If you do want to go electric and you don't need an over-the-road vehicle that can go to anywhere in the United States with being able to charge various charging networks and stuff like that, or Tesla with its own network, looking at a used electric vehicle today makes sense. But for new vehicle purchases, yes, the math just got better from Ford and from Tesla, but it's going to get much better from here if you stick with my original advice and wait till much later this year or in 24 and Krista, do you feel ripped off because you and your husband, Mike bought a Tesla model? Y when they had really peaked the prices last year, right?
0: Mm, It was before then they hadn't peaked. Luckily they were like two price changes before
1: because Tesla during the peak demand they were having, Last year in particular kept ratcheting the price up, 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 up and away. And all this did was remove, I guess, the last two price increases. Yeah, so it's,
0: it is right around where where um, it had we got been. My husband's car, yeah, yeah. So
1: still, this is. I'd say we've moved to yellow caution light, not green light.
0: Okay, Alfred in Florida is a Tesla owner. He says, I've been a Tesla owner for three years. My Type S has been a great vehicle until recently. My electronics went crazy about a month ago. And after having the vehicle towed to Tesla, I was told that rodents had chewed through the wiring harness. It cost me over $800. Tesla refused to pay for it. Just today, I have the same problem. What can I do about this? I've since been on the internet and other people are having the same
1: problem. Help. So, Alfred, you want to see the service manager at the service location with Tesla. Tesla seems to be pretty tone deaf to the problems people have with service after the sale. So you have to politely be persistent and clear. If you're having the same problem you were having before, then obviously there are more rodents in your car or the rodent was Tesla telling you, that rodents caused the problem in the first place. And Tesla has a certain arrogance to it. It's Elon Musk's personality. The leader of an organization filters through that organization. Tesla is pretty ham-handed in how it handles its customers who have service after the sale issues. And ultimately, the long-term strength of Tesla will be based on how people are treated when the chips are down. Whether you should or should not have had to pay for a new wiring harness can't speak to that. But the fact the same problem is happening again, that should be on Tesla, certainly not on you.
0: Ron in North Carolina says, I want to trade in my gas-guzzling car for a new reasonably priced fully electric or plug-in hybrid and have my eye on the cool new 2023 Toyota Prius Prime plug-in hybrid or Prius Hybrid, and debating which vehicle type makes the most long-term sense. I tend to hold my vehicles for about eight years. If I buy a plug-in hybrid Prius Prime, in eight years it may become obsolete, as there may be electric charging stations located as commonly as gas stations. If I buy a full electric vehicle, I will need to rent a gas-powered car whenever I want to travel far beyond my metro area into remote regions until the stations become more common, and battery capacity has increased." How many years will it be before hybrid plug-in vehicles become obsolete and unsaleable? Which solution makes the most long-term sense today, full electric or plug-in hybrid?
1: So engineers are debating your question like mad, and there's no automatic right answer because we are a very vast country, and we're not the only one that has a massive landmass. And it's unclear how long it will take before there's sufficient charging network in the vast stretches of rural America, even with the money the federal government is pumping to the states to install electric vehicle charging networks, it is hard to say if they're going to get it right, how reliable those networks will be, and if they, in fact, will cover. I mean, think about somebody who lives in rural Wyoming where the population is so low across a huge state, how much money is going to be devoted to building a large series of charging networks? So I think it's possible that there will be a very viable market for plug-in hybrids for many years to come, maybe for the next 15 years. Because most people, 80% of charging is done at home or at somebody's office, or maybe it's just 80% at home alone. So with a plug-in hybrid, that is a perfect interim solution that I think an eight-year cycle, you'll be fine in. 15 years, maybe it will be irrelevant, but I think eight years, you're A-OK.
0: And Joshua in Michigan says, I'm considering taking a job with a very small company. It has 12 employees. They do not offer a 401k as they're below the limit of 20 employees. My wife, who has a 401k and I, would be over the limit for a traditional IRA to be deductible. I'm used to maxing out my 401k, and I don't know of any other options to keep investing with a tax advantage.
1: Okay, so here's, here's what I have to say about that, Joshua. The great news here in 23 is there's more and more very affordable choices for employers to offer small company 401ks. Plus, there's now a very generous federal benefit that uh, Congress passed that funds the uh, setup costs and many of the ongoing costs for a very small employer offering a 401k. So we have a perfect marriage here of a small company being able to offer a big company type benefit having the expenses on it being much lower than they used to be, and the employer not having to absorb much of those costs. And in a small business, the owner of that business will benefit the most from that 401k. I'd say the real answer is to go talk to the employer. One of the companies that I've mentioned in the past, Human Interest. Go and look at the Human Interest website, humaninterest.com and look at how little it costs a small employer to set up a big-time kind of 401k with them, and you could win, and they could win, because it is an enormous disadvantage to the many tens of millions of Americans who work at employers who, to this point, have chosen not to offer a 401k and could, and did not know how to set it up, did not like all the administrative hassle, and now there are these plans available that are ones that are pre-approved by the IRS. So you as a, uh, let's say you're a small business owner, you don't have to go through the paperwork nightmare getting what's known as the prototype approved by the IRS. It is an off-the-shelf plan that meets IRS requirements, and your employer could offer it. Otherwise, you're faced with a real burden because you want to save for your retirement and you're being prohibited from doing so. Now, if this 12-person employer company says, yeah, forget it, we're not going to do it, what I would do instead is I would open a traditional investment account, go into index funds, like I've talked about the Fidelity Zero funds, you go with Vanguard, whatever, go into straight Broad market index funds, broad market domestic, international, you could throw in uh, broad market bond ETF, build a portfolio of three things. The tax treatment will be very favorable, not as favorable as with a Roth IRA, uh, not as favorable as a 401k, but you also will have flexibility that money does not have to be locked down to age 59 and a half or later. But maybe, just maybe, You can get your employer interested in offering one because they may just think, oh, we can't offer one. We're too small. No one will work with us. Now there are people doing it and it is affordable for the employer and for you. I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, review us if you're enjoying our podcast. Or write into Clark Stink's if you think that's what you need to do, clark.com slash Stinks And let me know where you feel that I'm the one who's lost in space.